I really leaned into my own intuition in parenting my kids, which was telling me, okay, you're going to have to be this way with this one and that way with this one. And you need to Mm -hmm. let go of your ego that there's only one way to do things and you need to be flexible and, and parent to the child. And I think older generations would find that to be a little indulgent. And I just had this conversation with my mom yesterday and we talked about the way she was raised from my grandparents. I know it feels like people think we're getting soft as the generations go on, but that to me was a big thing was to learn that it's okay to parent kids differently based on who they are. Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with another season of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, where I interview parenting experts, global thought leaders, best-selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories, their mom sense and dad sense experiences, and the values and legacy they're passing on to their children. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's me, Bobby Brown, on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. These episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com, where you'll receive my free Parenting in a Pandemic guidebook, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. You know what's been a saving grace for me? Making friends while in isolation due to the pandemic. It's safe to say I have 10x more friends and connections in my network that I haven't actually met in person, but I've still managed to establish meaningful relationships with. Those I can talk to on Zoom or text and are ever ready to be there for me as I am for them. And one such friend is living a parallel life which makes our connection and understanding of one another that much stronger. We're both television personalities and now podcasters, mom of three, community leaders, and interviewing and storytelling is our jam. I am talking about Sunny Abada. Sunny is the host of the live digital talk show and podcast, We Gotta Talk an award-winning TV journalist who spent 15 years in television news. She covered some of the biggest news stories in depth, including the Casey Anthony and George Zimmerman trials. A mom of three, her work is dedicated to informing and inspiring people through asking the big questions. Sunny, thank you so much for joining me on That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you so much for having me, Kanaka. I'm so, so grateful to be here. Yes. And I want to just give a shout out to Hey Mama, because that's how we met. And um, and it was through JJ Ramberg's podcast group, right? Mm-hmm. It was so great to connect. Yes. And I love what you're doing with the show too. So bravo to you. Thank you. Thank you. So what was it like growing up for you? So I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm a proud bleed black and gold kind of gal. I come from a huge Italian American family. Um, my My mother's father came over here and So grandparents on one and then great grandparents on the other side, but we all settled in a very tight knit Italian community just outside of the city of Pittsburgh. And I grew up just in a very culturally rich way for being a white girl, very culturally aware of my roots. I was the girl who was eating like salami and mayonnaise (laughs) sandwiches on thick Italian bread at lunch. And my, my friends are having peanut butter and jelly. And I was like, that's so gross. What are you doing? (laughs) I mean, all of zucchini beans, we would go, you know, so um, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I went to college at Carnegie Mellon university. So I stayed there for school as well and had just an incredible experience in that school, learning all about 
different people and speaking of getting outside of your bubble, just learning how many different amazing ways there were to live your life and to learn. And um, I graduated and I was working at the CBS affiliate two weeks after graduation. I was hired at 21 into the CBS family, the owned and operated station of KDKA. Um, As a reporter trainee, I was the youngest person to ever be on air there, which was an incredible blessing and benefit, but also came with its fair share of criticisms and challenges too. So I was on air there. I had worked actually on air for Fox Sportsnet and a couple of other live shows while I was in college. So I had a ton of TV experience for a a 21 year old. I had already been working in some capacity for two and a half years in TV, but I had fun with the job and just kind of fell into it in college. And as I graduated, got that great, amazing work at KDKA. I reported there for an anchor there for six years transition to Orlando where I um, I met my husband actually on a long distance blind date, but that's another story. And now I'm here and my sister is also here and my parents are now officially here. So although the rest of our heart is always in Pittsburgh, we have our nuclear family and all of our children now in one city, which has been amazing because we're very close. And yeah, my husband is from here originally and we have three kids. We have an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old boy, girl, girl. Wow. I love that. I love that. You got into television so young, as you mentioned, you know, it was during college and right out of college. So what made you feel compelled to just be in TV and that too at that time? Well, I was a writer at heart and still really love writing. It's my first love and my first passion. I was the kid that had like stacks of journals. I would like open them and smell them like fresh paper. Like such a nerd. Uh, yeah. I'd write poems for people like a dork. Like my parents, God love my mother. She still has this like poem that I wrote as I, I don't even know, a middle schooler um, <laughs> framed in her house. And I'm like, oh, mom, it's, that's really funny. Yeah. But, um, so writing was always my, I love stories. I mean, I grew up, like I said, at the adult table listening, I would listen to my parents and my aunts and uncles talk and my grandparents, like understanding like the, how, how amazing it was to be captivated by a story or how powerful it was to hear someone's experience and how that can shift something in you. So I, I would, I became like a real documentarian from an early age. I was writing things and I have like scrapbooks and little mementos that I would keep. So I I was just very naturally driven to document, to understand and to write. And I, I thought I wanted to be a print journalist. The idea of working for a newspaper was really appealing to me. I wrote for our college paper, but I quickly came to find out that that industry, at least at that point was was changing. And that if I got into that, it would be even harder than TV because there's only one outlet in town, right? Whereas yes. TV, you have multiple. So um, I got introduced to a production company and they were shooting shows for the local Fox Sports Net, which is, I don't even know if it's still in existence. So there used to be big Fox Sports and then every city they had their own sort of bureau. So the Pittsburgh sports scene is just amazing, right? Football, hockey, baseball. Yeah. And this production company was you know, contracted out to do shows with the Steelers and the Pirates at the time. And they brought me on and I'm this kid. And I was like, why don't we do like a get to know you off the field kind of thing? So, (laughs) you know, I would ask like, you know, were you a Letterman or a Leno guy? Like, I don't know, just fun things. But I also did sports reporting. I was a sideline reporter for a time. I did like live sideline reporting for a minor league baseball team. I just got in there because I was like, this is fun. I get to talk to people. I get to understand who they are and tell their stories. And so I just kind of fell into it because this production company was looking for like a host. And it was, they also were doing a high school sports show. So I would go around, my mom would drive me around to all these high schools. And I would talk to like the star 
you know, swimmer or the state champion or the football player that week and get their little interview for the Fox sports net that weekend. And it was like a dedicated high school sports show. And I just got out there and started doing it. I was like, I love this. And so unfortunately, Carnegie Mellon did not have, still does not have a journalism program. And I really had to craft my degree out of like a a patchwork of internships and actual real working experience combined with the writing schools, writing stuff. So I was like, you know, if you telling me I can't do this officially. I'm going to find a way to make it happen. So I did that and got my degree and was fortunate enough to have interned at one of the station where I ended up working. And they saw that I was driven. I mean, I was there until 1130, three nights a week. My dad would come pick me up and they lived 20 minutes away from campus where I was at school at Carnegie Mellon. I did not have a car. I took the bus to the internship. My dad God love him to this day. We'll still do this. If I ask him, came out to pick me up from about a half hour away, came to the station and dropped me back off at campus. I just made it work. I loved it. And I said, if I'm going to work in TV, I want to work now. I want to know what it's like. I think they saw that drive and I, they were amazing to give me the opportunity. I, I spent that first year training and shadowing news reporters all around town. I would have my little notebook and I'd be like, standing behind them as they asked the question. And we would go into the live truck and I would pretend like it was my deadline. I would write a package. I would say, here, what do you think about this? And of course, in the midst of all of their things would be like looking at it, like, okay, we'll change this. And you make sure you write the video and, you know, all these things. Right, right. And so I got that real world experience and then finally got the chance to be on the air. And it was like, oh, this is cool. I, I wanted to ask you because we all have this resume reel. Back in the day, we make those resume reels. Um, oh, gosh. So <laughs> with our stand ups and then our key interviews and packages. What would we find on, you know, your resume reel? These days, <laughs> these days, you'd find a lot of hosting. I'm doing some of that um, freelance. But in my news days, gosh, I mean, we, you would find all of the coverage that I did down here in Orlando of the Casey Anthony trial, the George Zimmerman trial, or Florida is a very unique news market in that there's always something big happening, whether it's news or whether there's a a race, like a political race coming up. I got to interview um, Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan and... Oh gosh, you would see some of that. You would might see some sports sprinkled in there. I would look really different and really young. But yeah. <laughs> that was certainly part of it too. Gosh, everything you can imagine, really. I did weather. So you might see some of that if even though it was horrific. That is amazing. How it's horrible. Oh my God, Akanaka. <laughs> so I got this job and I had no so they're like, you're a reporter trainee. I was like, great news. I can't wait to like tell all these stories. And they're like, you're gonna also be filling in on weather. <laughs> I was like, and to me, I was, I'm like the by the book kind of nerd. And I was like, I didn't study meteorology. I don't want to be the person telling people what's going to happen with the weather. It's not my, what my degree is in. Like, right, right. So I would take true nerd fashion, stacks of books home from our chief meteorologist who still have them from when he went to school. And I would go over these books and read them. I'd call the National Weather Service every morning. I was shaking in my boots. I was like, I don't want to be doing this, but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to try to understand Yes. Yeah. Why this is happening. So you would find some of that and it would be horrible, but it did teach me how to talk for three minutes straight. And that is a valuable skill in TV. Yes. When, you know, when something technical goes wrong, you have to learn how to tap dance. Um, so you would see all kinds of stuff. Oh my goodness. So what was the impetus for making the pivot to podcasting and now your digital platform? So I left the Fox affiliate here in Orlando. I think it was what year is it? Five years ago now, five years ago. Yeah. Wow. I was the main anchor and I was working nights 
And so that was 2 p.m. to about about midnight by the time I was in bed. And I, my life was falling apart is the short answer. I mean, I had no friends. I never saw my husband. I foresaw a bad future with my husband if I didn't actually see him. I, I can't be gone every night for dinner. And this is to say nothing of the two young kids I had at the time. Oh my gosh, um, and, yeah. and be a cent- the center of a family. And, and listen, I, I put the biggest star asterisk on this every time I talk about this, because I had the privilege to have a spouse who supported me and who had a job. I could leave. I know that's not the case for everyone. My mother worked full-time when I grew up out of necessity. I understand that that's not an option. I was fortunate enough to be able to step back and do that though. I would also contend that a TV person's schedule is a slightly different beast than, you know, and I'm, I'm doing events on weekends and I'm traveling, you know, in, in around town for charity things. And, you know, when, when there's live coverage of a hurricane, I live at the TV station away from my kids. So I I left because I couldn't do it all. And I, I think it's the biggest lie to tell women that they can, because then we start to try and then we fail because no one can. And then we really feel bad and the ball of wax gets bigger. So I stepped away because I realized that it wasn't going to work for my particular life at that moment. And that is not to say that it doesn't for many people, but for me, it wasn't. And I just knew what I wanted to do. It's not even that I had to do it. I knew that I wanted it. Got to the point where I was like, I feel like I'm taking someone else's job now who wants to be here because this is an amazing job. And I love the people I work with. And I loved, I love every moment of TV and storytelling and interviewing people. But I was like, I feel guilty because there's someone who wants to be doing this. I would cry every night driving back to the station from dinner break. I would go home and put the kids to bed, eat dinner quickly, see my husband. Hello. Goodbye. Put my makeup back on and go. And I would call my mom every night and I would cry. And I would say, this feels wrong. This doesn't feel right. I don't feel like I should be in the car at 845 at night, driving away from my family. So, so how did you come up with, you know, your first iteration for your podcast? And then Mm -hmm. now we got to talk. Yeah. So my first, my podcast used to be called 30 something, and we really focused on motherhood, self-care and what I called second chapters or reinventions, which obviously I had just recently undergone. It was still really, and I still love talking about the transition for women because parenthood is a very transformative and big and complicated topic. And I love to talk to people like you too, who have made a way through that while still respecting their passions but making it work for them. So that was the old show. I, gosh, I think I started that. I never remember the right year. I want to say it was 27, the end of 2017. I started batch recording episodes. We launched in 2018 with like six episodes already. And then last year, last September, so about a year and a few months ago, we, we rebranded and I, it's now called, we got to talk. It's, I always say it's like news light. It's real talk on big topics. And my background is in news. So I will forever have an interest in current events and politics and even media. Like I love um, dissecting media coverage of big stories and understanding how we get to what we think about certain things and why people are so politically divided, like all of that stuff. I can nerd out on all of that all day. So yeah, we got to talk is just a place for people to come and hear the tough questions being asked in some cases, ask them themselves because we solicit questions sometimes from our listeners and just get real and start to be comfortable hearing other people's opinions. Because lately we, I I think it's become a very divisive world. And um, I have personally found the most growth in sitting and with an earnest heart, listening to why people feel the way they feel I always say this, there are some issues in the world that are legitimately black and white wrong, but mm-hmm. 
there are also many issues, politics included, that if you just took a chance to quiet that fighting, screaming debater inside of you, which I think we all have, we all have that rea- <laughs> immediate reaction, right? When you hear someone say something that you politically disagree with, you want to like, don't Burr. agree with, yes. Right. But I feel that there are moments of profound growth on the other end of just sitting and listening. And even if you don't land in a different spot, no one is out to convert anyone. But what I am out to do is to help people understand behind all of those opinions, which may be the same or different than you is a human. And I want to understand why they are, how they are. And that's Mm. for, you know, for people who believe all sorts of different things. So we touch on spirituality, we touch on politics. I think it's beautiful when people don't agree. I'm a Libra and a Libra journalist on top of that. So I want to hear all the sides of every story 15 times. (laughs) Like I'm a truly like middle of the road kind of chick. I like to understand why are you this way? Why are you this way? So that's what we've created is a space where hopefully we've created a space where people can, you know, pop in and listen to some fun conversations and maybe walk away with a little bit of a different perspective. Yes. And so who were some of your most memorable guests and, and, you know, the takeaways that they provided? I know that she sometimes doesn't like this title, but she's considered a gentle parenting expert, but most importantly, she's an author and an activist. Her name is L.R. Nost, Mm -hmm. K-N-O-S-T. She's a writer whose quotes are like floating all around the internet. She is one who's always like quotes are getting pulled for those cute little Instagram grid posts. Her view on parenting probably most closely aligns with what I aspire to be to my children, which is she's, it's just all about um, being very open and communicative and acknowledging the parent as a whole and not having to show up as a, as a perfect person to your kids, because what we're trying to teach them is not how to be perfect, but to be themselves in a good version, a kind version of themselves. So I was the first podcast interview she ever did. And I was so honored. She's actually local to the Orlando area. And I was so honored that she came in and spoke with me. She's going through a cancer battle right now. So we sent her our prayers and our love and and that really stuck out because I, I admire her so much and having her like in person to chat with, this was like right before the pandemic was pretty cool. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just touch on how podcasting as a medium has just grown exponentially. I mean, in the past few years, especially, you know, due to the pandemic, it went from 70 million to 1.7 million that are out there and counting. How does this kind of make you feel or affect how you're navigating your show. It really sucks that it's that yeah. hard to get. <laughs> it's wonderful. But as a pun, you know, podcast host, I'm like, damn it. It's really know, hard I to get your stuff heard. Oh, yes, yes. Like, every what? second person wants to have one. And right. And it's great. And again, you know, I, I believe in that. I love a plethora of opinions and perspectives. Um, so from, from the creation perspective, it is daunting, but mm-hmm. I, you know, as a consumer of it, I love it. I just, constantly have something playing in the background. I'm always trying to learn something or, you know, dive into another um, show. So I'm really grateful for that. There are so many good ones out there. I just, that's true. Yeah. I just want all of us to grow. Yeah, no, no, it's true. Um, But, you know, I feel like because we come from a journalistic background, does it irk you that there are so many shows that are, you know, driven by reality stars yeah. and fame and influencers. Yes. Yeah. I sound really like bitter. A loaded question, but I, I <laughs> well, the reason being, I feel like, you know, there's certain credentials mm-hmm. that you bring to the table that have been completely watered down because now 
you know, anyone who's popular can just have a mic in their face and start talking. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think that, you know, we need to be a little selective. Well, I, you know, I admire the influencers who have been able to do this. What I've come to realize as a consumer of podcasts is that there's different types and brands and that what I gravitate toward most tends to be the type of content that I also in turn want to put out there. So I love Barry Weiss's podcast, honestly. And I mean, I listen to all sorts of different types, but I think what frustrates me the most, I hate to say this, but celebrities of podcasts, like, can you leave it to the little guys? Like you guys have movies and TV shows and agents and job offers every freaking day. Can you, can we have something? Yeah. Have a microphone (laughs) and our computers. Like Alec Baldwin, you don't need a podcast. Yeah. You know, or maybe you do. I don't know. It's just annoying. It's like, leave something for the little guy. So that's where I get a little (laughs) bit like, okay. But you know, I, I, you got to respect the influencers and the people who like came up and maybe their content isn't always what I go toward. Although there are some that I really love. I love the blonde files by Ariel Laurie. She's like a dear media girl. Anyway. Um, yeah, I listen, I'm here for all the talk on the frivolous superficial things too. So, but yeah, I think that is one thing that can be frustrating is that there's only one pie and every time a mega star takes a cut out of it, it's like, Oh, yeah. yeah and, and something that you've figured out in the process that you're like, I am so glad that me and my team are doing it this way now that it's like been kind of groundbreaking for you. Um, I will say I'm just really proud of the work that we've done. And by we, I mean a two person team. We used to have three people, someone who helped me with social, but now it's down to two, me and a producer, um, my good friend who worked with me in TV for years. She was my producer while I was working in Orlando. She's fantastic and amazing. She literally keeps the wheels on. I'm just really proud of what we do. And we have this conversation quite a bit because I'm like, God, I really wish the growth was better. I wish this, you know, this episode had done better. And why does this one get more listens when this is the one I'm proud of what we do. And I really have to remind myself daily that although the market is tough and that it's a slog. And like you said, it is a lot of work every week. It is so what I love doing and what I meant to do that I would do it even if my mom were the only one listening because I I believe in the people we talk to that much. I really do. And I believe that much in getting these additional perspectives and thoughts out there. So yeah, it's a grind though. And I, I am glad for anyone who is considering doing it, I would say there's value in having someone who can help you maybe even on a freelance basis with editing or with, you know, storyboarding some ideas for, you know, what you want the season to look like or what types of guests you want or reaching out to guests to check. I mean, anything, go on Upwork, find people who can help you on a freelance basis, pay them hourly. If you know someone in the industry, reach out, see what their hourly rates would be and just Surround yourself, if you can, with even one person or or have that one person who can help you get your baby out into the world. It's like you deliver a new baby every week, right? Yeah. Do all the work, the labor, and the baby's out. Every Thursday morning, I'm like, oh, there she is (laughs) (laughs) on my feet. I'm like, I'm so proud of this. Right. So it's really gratifying. Don't you agree? Like it's work, it's like thankless, but I think it's so cool. Um, So now into motherhood, you have three beautiful kids. Um, What has changed for you? How have your children kind of taken on the role of teacher and you as student? Well, they have done that for sure. Um, They have taught me that I'm no longer in control. (laughs) Practically speaking, maybe on a day-to-day basis I am, but of the bigger picture, they have been my biggest teachers in that regard in helping me learn to let go a little bit 
being someone who was like you working in a very deadline driven industry that had very, I mean, literally you, you had your job timed out down to the second every day. So I'm used, I was used to boundaries and clear cut answers to things. And I was like, this is great. I know the show's over at six 30 and then I'm done. Then I had a baby and I was like, what? Like it yeah. was shocking to me that for example, if you're trying to put a baby to sleep, that if you try a, B, C, and D, they can all not work. And then you're just really screwed. You know, right. Like, wait, so what's the answer? There are no answers. There are no, yes. there's just trial no. and error. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, and even I, I laugh because my labor with my first, my son, who's now almost nine was just very indicative of how motherhood would be. It was a complete resignation of expectations. It was an emergency C-section, 34 hours of labor. I was pushing the nurse and the doctor were fighting at my open legs of whether or not I should be pushing because one said I was dilated. The other one said I wasn't. I looked up at my husband. I said, is there a hidden camera here? So, (laughs) and then finally they were like, oh, just kidding. We're going to do an emergency C-section. And I remember looking at him and I was like, seriously, I was like, this is a, you can decide. This is your decision right now. You can decide to throw a fit and kick and scream and fight this because I think there were some maybe not great decisions made, or you can be a big girl and just have your baby, how you should have your baby, which is the safe way. And I think that moment for me, it was such a defined moment. And I was like, that's it. I just tossed in all my chips and I'm like, we're going to do this any way that we have to do it. And that's motherhood is just getting through it and loving it when you can, but getting through it. Yes. Yeah. So much surrender. Tell us about a mom sense moment you've had where you trusted that built-in intuition that we have. Oh God. Literally every time my kids are sick, you know, and I'll be like, they're about to get sick. And my husband's like, I'm like, she's warm. And he'd be like, you're crazy. And then the next day, inevitably, you know, the fever spikes in the middle of the night and I'm right. And I don't want to be right, but you know, yeah, (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of one particular instance where my intuition, I, I think it most strongly has guided me just generally day to day on how to parent and like schedule them and things. I really leaned into what felt right for each kid. And even though there's a lot of literature that says you should do the same things with each kid, I really leaned into my own intuition in parenting my kids, which was telling me, okay, you're going to have to be this way with this one and that way with this one. And you need to Mm -hmm. let go of your ego that there's only one way to do things and you need to be flexible and, and parent to the child. And I think older generations would find that to be a little indulgent. And I just had this conversation with my mom yesterday and we talked about the way she was raised from my grandparents. I know it feels like people think we're getting soft as the generations go on, but that to me was a big thing was to learn that it's okay to parent kids differently based on who they are. Let's not forget our quote of the day. What is a quote that you live by? When it comes to parenting, I live by a quote that, or something that my mom told me that my grandmother would always tell her, which is just love them through it. And that goes for every moment in parenting when it's an expression of big feelings or a difficult time they're having, something that you can't change or fix. I just try to love them through it. And I, even, even when I make a mistake as a parent and I, I apologize. And I'm like this morning, like I lost my temper and I was like, I'm really sorry. Like yeah. I really did not react well. Right. And so I try to show love to myself as a parent and to the kids and 
just give them the grace of experiencing their feelings, not trying to take it away or make it better. And just to be that little cushion that they land on and just love them through it. That's what I always try to go back to. I'm going to remember that. That's so sweet, especially during the stressful moments where that's the last thing you're thinking to do. You know, God, yeah. My daughter was having a big, big feeling, big, big feeling, capital B the other day. And Mm -hmm. I, I wanted, I wanted to run up to her and be like, what the hell is going? Instead, (laughs) I reeled it in and I bent down and I just went like this and I hugged her and she just melted and she, the the tension went away. And I was like, I need to remember this. I need to remember to love them through it more because it does often help, you know? It's now time for mom hall when we share products we love. Mom hall. So this is our segment. That's um, all about any recommendations that you have for product. It could be in beauty or wellness or, you know, lifestyle, anything. And I know you're a product junkie, especially when it comes to skincare. It's like so a kind please, way of putting it. Yeah, I know. I love it. So um, dish is there. Okay. Tell us all the products that you're loving. <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, a good supplement regime is key for me. Magnesium is something that I always say that people should look into a lot Mm -hmm. of women after kids, you know, it's hard to fall asleep or it's hard to get quality sleep. Magnesium has made a huge difference in the quality of my sleep. So that is like my one supplement recommendation and a great probiotic too. We have this one um, that I use for the kids and me it's by ion biome and they sell it on Amazon. It's a liquid gut health is like really important. And so we try to just, that's a basic supplement that I just like to work into my, in their routine. We talked about this before recording. The other huge recommendation I have for women post children is hormone awareness and health, being aware of where your hormone levels are and really paying attention to that, working with someone who understands that with women, hormones change, especially after having kids and where we land can sometimes impact our mood, our bodies, um, how we feel day to day. So I would say, find a doctor who's going to pay attention to your hormones. I did not know this. This is another great interview I did with Carrie Jones. This is, oh my gosh, she's a hormone expert. And this was when my show was still 30 something. So it's probably two years old. Um, Mm -hmm. She's a renowned hormone expert and she talks about all of the uh, protocols that she does with people and like tests you can get to monitor your levels, but hormone health, just, just know that it's literally, they change your life for the better and for the worse. So knowing about them and doing, working with a doctor who can monitor them makes a world of a difference. Yes. What else? I guess for beauty products, I always recommend a good retinol or vitamin A product. I'm on a tretinoin right now by Obagi and I use it twice or three times a week. And I have these like really big pores on my face. It's genetic and I have like oily skin naturally kind of. It has made a huge difference in the texture of my skin and like removing all of the gunk that just gets caught in there. So get a good retinol. Get something that helps your cell turnover because yes. as we get older, it slows down. So we talked about this before. Shawnee Darty right. makes a great one. The Obaji one I have is great. Uh, Rock ROC is a great drugstore brand that makes a good retinol product and just be religious about it. Well, this is so much fun. Tell my audience where we can find you and your show. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for having me. I, I love talking with you and I love that we connected and I just want to continue to stay in touch here. Uh, the show is called We Gotta Talk. It's out every Thursday. If you are more into watching the video, the live show is on Wednesdays, noon Eastern on both Facebook at facebook.com slash We Gotta Talk and YouTube 
you just search my name, Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. That's also my name on Instagram, which I'm also very active on. So those are all the channels. Sunny, that was such a fun conversation. It's always a completely different experience when you're speaking to a fellow media professional, television broadcaster turned podcaster and mom. And I feel like all of these parallels in our life bring us together in such a beautiful way. And we relate on like a myriad of levels. So it's pretty awesome. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it for you. Definitely go subscribe to Sunny's podcast, We Gotta Talk, and you can watch my interview with her. And it was so nice to be able to share my story and be in the hot seat. And Subscribe to That's Total Mom Sense, of course, if you haven't already, where you get to hear from great guests just like Sunny and understand their narrative and their perspective when it comes to their career, their relationships, and most of all, parenting. And while you're at it, rate and review our podcasts wherever you listen. Apple Podcasts has a great platform for this. So upon subscribing, go in there, um, find the review section and rate it. And when you provide that review, every week I'm going to be reading one and that person gets special mom sense merch. So it could be you. Write to me at that's total mom sense at gmail.com if you want to send me a quick note or an update or a tip for the show. I love hearing from you. And remember, always trust your mom sense and your dad's sense, that sixth sense that we're all born with. Stay strong, super parents. See you next time. That's total mom sense.